Good morning, Bethel. Really looking forward to our time in God's Word. Would you bow with me from your homes and uh, let's prepare our hearts to hear from God. God, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the chance that we have had to praise you. We thank you that you are the living God who knows each one of us. You know the hairs on every single person's head, and you know exactly what is going on in each one of our lives, even today. In this past week, in this past month, and we just ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts in the way you know we need. Holy Spirit, apply the truth of the word to every one of our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the reflections and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Amen and amen. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Now, the way you answer that question may determine whether or not you and I can be friends. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I will like you whichever way you answer that question. But I am most definitely a dog person. Uh, about a year ago, our family got um, a little puppy who joined us and uh, she's just been a joy to, and treasure to our family. But, but I have to admit, and I, I know we're not supposed to envy, but when I look outside and see walking past my house, those people who have a dog and they can even walk without their leash on the dog. And just as they walk, their dog just kind of walks with them and they get to the corner of a road and they just stop and the dog just stops and waits and they walk across. Like, I just am like, oh, how do you do that? Be because in our home, I have one of these little dogs and she's a puppy. And so, you know, a year old, she's getting a bit better. But but here's what a walk consists of with, with our little dog. It, it consists of when you first leave the house and you are just like, like this because she is trying to run as fast fast as she possibly can and just like yanking on the leash to get out as far as you fast as you possibly can until finally she gets to a spot where it smells you know that wonderful aroma that dogs love to just stick their nose right in and now all of a sudden you kind of catch up and she's no longer pulling the way and now you're walking and and her face will not come out of the grass and and now you're yanking all the way along and it's just this back and forth and back and forth of being like pulled ahead and trying to yank across rather than just enjoying a nice little walk. Years ago, I heard somebody say this really simple prayer. They, they pray, God, help us to not get ahead of you and try and walk in our own strength. God, help us to not get behind you and drag our feet. But Lord, would you help us to just walk in step with you? I love that prayer. I love the sentiment of that prayer, that desire to, to not run ahead and be just like pulling and pulling and pulling to try and drive in our own strength, that, that sentiment of not wanting to just like hold back and resist, but, but just walking in step with God. And I have adopted that prayer on so many occasions. This morning... We come to a scripture that we're going to spend our time for the most part in or as our launching point out from. It's Galatians 5.25. I invite you to grab your Bibles out. And I've titled this morning's message, Pace. Pace. Because it's all about keeping pace with 
God, walking in step with God, not getting ahead, not getting behind, but walking right along with him. And so turn with me to Galatians 5.25, and here's what God's word says. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the one verse we're going to look at today. It's a short verse, concise, but it packs a punch and has some really deep reflections for us to consider. And as we launch this new ministry year, we've been kicking it off with kind of, you know, a little mini series called On Mission. These last couple weeks, and we've got this week and next week too, to clarify to rally together, to unite together. I, I don't know if you are a football watcher. You know, the NFL has just kind of gotten going in the last couple weeks here. And, and when you watch a game of football, at first you watch those two gr groups of giant men coming, clashing together, and you might think, man, it's just like kind of chaos. But if you get a little bit deeper into it, what you see is those offensive lines, they need to work in perfect tandem together in order to make just enough room for the running back to get through. And they have a a perfect unity and when one has a little bit of weakness then the quarterback ends up getting sacked or, or if you're not if you're not a, a football fan maybe maybe you're more you know music inclined uh, if you've ever listened to a choir or listened to an orchestra where one of the singers you know everybody might be brilliant and beautiful singers but one singer is just really off key or one violin is just totally out of tune it doesn't matter how much everything else is doing that, that you just notice and use your and it's just like this just doesn't feel quite right what we're wanting to do here together is for all of us as a collective offensive line, a collective orchestra, a collective choir, is to all get on the same page, to unite together as one, to rally together, and to launch forward in this year. We looked at in the first week of this series our mission and why. Why are we here? Why do we do all that we do? Last week we, we considered our vision and what we're aiming towards and, and we, we zeroed in on this first of these three key themes that are going to be with us throughout the year and it was people and how, how we as people are God's plan to reach the people around us and to show them the love of Jesus and how Jesus has saved us so that they too can come to know Jesus. And now today we're going to look at Galatians and we're looking at the second big kind of theme, big uniting cry, rallying point, clarifying all together as we launch this year. Pace. Pace, Bethel. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, some other translations will say, if we live by the Spirit, that is to say, since we have been given new life, the, the verse just before it kind of tees this up quite obviously for us, those who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. For, for all those who belong to Jesus Christ, for all those, as we said last week, who have realized I am a sinner and I desperately need a Savior. And Jesus came, the perfect Jesus came to die on the cross to rescue sinners just like me. For all who belong to Christ, who've given their life to Christ, who've been made new, who live by the Spirit, is always saying the same thing. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk in the way step by step with the Spirit. Let us 
keep pace with the Spirit of God. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live a certain way. And this little mini-series is walking through our mission and our vision and our values and, and these things that we are all about here as a church. And, and if you were in the auditorium with me, you could look up on the wall there in the auditorium. Maybe you remember from seeing that in Strathroy or in the lobby or, or there on the slide right now, you see these five core values with these five little icons that we use to describe these core values. And, and they're all about what it means to be a disciple because we're here to glorify God by making disciples make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple and someone who is growing in loving God deeply and loving others deeply, who is growing in praying relentlessly, who is growing in becoming more like Jesus, who is growing in serving God and serving others sacrificially. A disciple is someone who is multiplying spiritually and helping others come to meet Jesus like we talked about last week. And to do all of these things and, and to live a life that is on in step with the Spirit that is at the pace of God, we need to all, dear friends, know how to walk at the pace of the Spirit. We, we need to understand and unite and rally around what this Galatians 5.25 verse says. Since we live by the Spirit, if we are together born again in Jesus Christ and we are walking with Him, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And to unpack this idea and how this applies to our lives, I want to give us two reflection questions. Okay? Two questions for you to reflect on from your home, for me, for us here together to consider about what does it mean? What does it look like? How do we walk at the pace of the Spirit? Here's, here's the first question that we're going to ask ourselves today. It is this. Am I living at a pace that allows me to hear God's voice? Am I living at a pace that allows me to hear God's voice? See, if we want to keep in step with God, if we want to keep in pace with Him, wouldn't you agree that we need to actually be able to hear His voice so that we know what He's doing, when He's doing it, and we can walk with Him, right? That, that's pretty obvious. That makes sense. And when I think about our lives, your life, my life, we're all at different stages and there's different things going on, but there's, there's a whole list of things that, that, you know, in many ways will make up our days, will make up our lives. I, I kind of brainstorm a bunch of different things, you know, for, for some it might be work or it might be school or, or maybe it's retirement and that, that brings in a variety of different elements and hobbies and things to your life. There's, there's our time with our family. Maybe you're married and you've got a spouse or you've got kids or you've got grandkids or you've got parents that you interact with. You've got brothers or sisters or cousins and there's, there's family. There's, there's also friends, friends from the neighborhood, friends that have a, a common shared interest, whether that's around a hobby or around a sports team or around a particular activity that you guys do together. There's, there's the elements of sleeping and eating and exercising that make up our day and our lives. There's extracurriculars. Those might be personally for you. Those might be for your kids. Those might be for your grandkids. You've got, you know, the dance and the hockey and the soccer and the music lessons and the, the whatever else it might be. There's church activities, right? 
that make up our lives. Sunday morning and uniting together for worship, getting into a small group, being a part of a team that we might serve on and volunteer with, events we might go to. There's our house, looking after our yard and our garden and renovations and things that just need to get looked after and the gadgets and the groceries and the cleaning that needs to get done around the house. Maybe you have a cottage or you've got a boat or you've got a car or a trailer that you look after. There's the hobbies and the leisure within life. Maybe it's books you like to read. Maybe it's magazines you like to cruise through. Maybe it's particular blogs or websites you like to scroll through. Maybe it's particular shows you watch or sports teams you follow or fishing or boating or snowmobiling or skiing or whatever it might be. There's the health stuff that makes up life, right? Looking after yourself and doctor's appointments and Cairo to get your back cracked all up and fixed or getting your hair cut and your nails done. There's shopping, shopping for groceries, shopping for clothes, shopping for things around the house, shopping for fun, shopping for tools and toys and whatever. There's paying the bills and keeping up on all the the realities of finances and budget and all that kind of stuff. These are some of the things, and I'm sure there's probably many more, but these are some of the things, maybe most of the things, that that make up our day-to-day, our lives. Now, now let me ask you this question for, for your life, however those pieces all kind of align together and look for you. The pace of your life, the pace of all that you are doing and all the elements that are going on in your life, what is the pace that you are walking at? And and is the pace that you are walking at, does it give you room to hear the voice of God? When you think through the accumulation of all the things that you do, all the activities, all the things, you know, just that are added up, that that make up your days, do you walk at a pace that allows you to hear God's voice? I believe this is a vital and fundamental question. Not only for us to ask individually, but when we think about the ministries that we are doing, when we lead our small groups, when we are a part of the kids' ministry when we're doing, when we gather together on Sunday mornings, when we are serving in our different teams, whatever those might be, are we doing these things collectively at a pace that allows not only us personally in our daily lives, but collectively in our teams and our groups and as a whole church, are we doing this at a pace that allows us to hear the voice of God. God's word says to us here, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. How can we keep in step with the Spirit if we can't hear His voice, friends? Ask yourself, am I living at a pace that allows me to hear God's voice? The life of Jesus is so fascinating in this regard. And I've been deeply studying and reflecting on this actually for a number of years. 
just on a personal interest level, but then it's actually led into, and some of you will know that I'm you know, diving back into some schooling and it's really fueling actually the center of some of the studies that I'm doing right now, how this plays out in Jesus' life when we look into the scriptures. See, Jesus was a guy who had a lot on the go, right? Wouldn't you agree that Jesus, when he was here on earth and when we look at his life, he had a lot on the go. I mean, in the Gospel of Mark, we read about Jesus showing up on the shore of this, this small little town after he had gone on a boat ride. And here's what it says. Just as soon as he like gets off the boat, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Hadn't even gotten away from the water yet. And then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came here came there seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. He's got these massive crowds that as soon as he gets off the boat, they're flocking to him and he's got people running and falling at his feet. Please, please, Jesus, my daughter's dying. I need your help. Or in Luke, when, when he goes to one of his buddy's houses, and you think kind of the day is, is near the end. It's been an intense day. He was already preaching in the morning that day at the synagogue. But the town gets wind of where he is staying. And then we read this in Luke 4.40. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each of them, he healed them. Surrounding the house, it would seem, people just kept coming and coming, all these sick people asking, Jesus, please, would you pray? Eager to hear just another word from him. I, I mean, Jesus came. He literally came to rescue the whole world. That's kind of a big deal, right? He, he kind of had a lot on the go, right? But in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all that was going on, and Jesus surely did have a lot on the go, he had this absolutely fascinating, profound we must take note of habit. Do you know what it was? Do you know what it was? Jesus loved to get away to a quiet, solitary place on his own to listen to his father's voice. He loved this. He loved this and he did this over and I don't know if you've ever noticed how often in the Gospels Jesus has this as a rhythm, a habit, a pattern of his life. One morning Jesus woke up and, and the, the crowds had been all around him and he'd been healing and preaching and all of these different kinds of things and, and they wake up and they're eager and his disciples are eager to kind of hear even more of this and have him heal even more but all of a sudden he's just vanished, he's gone. And, and they're like, where did he go? And his disciples kind of start running around trying to find him. And then we read in Mark 135, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. These crowds are around flocking to him, and, and he gets up as early as he can, very early in the morning, and goes off to a quiet place alone, to listen to his father's voice. Or do you remember the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people? Remember that story? He's just got a little boy's lunch, a couple pieces of bread, a couple of fish, 5,000 people get fed. Everyone's like, whoa, how's this possible? 12 baskets left over. It's like mind-blowing. And then, and then do you know what he does right after 
that incredible miracle happens? Look with me in Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But before his whole ministry even began, okay? So he, he's just coming onto the scene. He gets baptized. Heaven's open. God says, this is my son. And then bef- between that and before he preaches his first sermon, do you remember what he does? It's in Matthew 4. He goes and spends 40 days alone in the wilderness, fasting and praying. Alone, spending time listening to his father's voice before he goes and toe-to-toe with the devil. Before he made the massive decision to, to decide which of the followers that are around him he would appoint as his 12 closest disciples, the apostles. Do you know what he did the night before he made that big decision? You'd probably guess where this is going, can't you? Luke chapter 6, on uh, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, chose the twelve whom he designated apostles. On the very last night, okay, on the very last night, so from the very beginning all the way through in his ministry, at his biggest points of decision, and then at the very last night of his life, before he was going to be betrayed, before he was then going to get killed the next day, what did he do? Where did he go? He, he has that final meal with his disciples, with his friends. He, he inaugurates the practice that we now call communion or the Lord's Supper, right? And then he goes off with them to a garden. He's going to get arrested, but here's what happens before that. Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. And on the other side, there was an olive grove and his disciples went into it. And now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Jesus went in this moment to an olive grove off in this quiet garden on the outskirts of town. Why? Why did he go there at that moment? Because he loved to get alone in a quiet place to listen to the voice of his father. And and, and did you catch it there? Judas, Judas knew where to find him in this moment. When when the the soldiers and the chief priests had bought off Judas and, and they were trying to find Jesus that night, Judas knew where to go. Now, how did Judas know where to go? Because this is what Jesus always did. This was, this was his regular habit, his regular rhythm, his regular routine was to go away to this particular place when he was in Jerusalem, to the outskirts of town. He is getting ready to save the world. And what does he do the night before? He goes off to a quiet, solitary place to listen to the voice of his father. Jesus had a ton to do. He had all kinds of things that he was here to do, and he was doing all of it to the glory of God. He was doing everything according to his heavenly Father's purposes, and he was always walking at the pace of his Father. How did he know what the pace was to be? I want to suggest to you that a key 
to answering that question is this very habit. That Jesus' habit of regularly, consistently getting alone to spend time listening to his Father's voice was at the center of how Jesus was able to both do all that God wanted him to do and to be at a pace where he could hear God's voice. Just even this last week, I was reminded of, I was, I was walking to the church. I live fairly close by to the church and I was on my way to the church in the morning. And, and I, I occasionally like to take the long way around to just kind of pray on my way into work and to prepare my heart and to just pray and ask God in this particular morning, like, God, I just want to, I want to follow what you would have me do. Give me ears to hear. I want to listen to you. And so I'm just, and you know, it's the morning, it's quiet. You just hear the, you know, the kind of the, the, the birds chirping in the, the trees and the wind blowing through and stuff like that. And it's just this nice quiet walk where I like to pray. And then about halfway towards the church, there was this one house where the window was open. And there was a dog. Remember, I'm a dog person, but this dog. The window was open and there was this massive dog in the window that, that as soon as it got a glimpse of me, just started barking. And when I say barking, I mean like howling, jarring, like you could like, it, it was just like resounding out throughout the entire neighborhood. And it was barking so loud that it just, and, and even though I walked past it and kept going, the barking just kept going and going. And it was so loud, the noise was so loud that I'm on this walk trying to prepare my heart for the day and to come and to listen and to hear God's voice. But the noise was so much that I just couldn't even think. I couldn't even concentrate. I couldn't even hear anything, let alone the voice of God. Friends, when you think about the pace of your life, how much noise is there? And, and it, it, may be, it may be bad things, but more likely it's probably not really bad, vile, terrible things, but it's just all the noise that is life. Literally the noise of our world with our phones and our screens and our music and our radios and our little Google devices but, but even more metaphorically, the noise that is all the activities that go on around us that make it so impossible that just like when I'm on that walk and I'm like, I'm trying to talk to you, God, but this dog is so loud. When you consider the pace of your life, is there room? Are you making room to hear the very voice of God. Ministry leaders, this is a challenge for us. When we think about leading the teams that you might be leading here at the church, when you think about leading the group that you might be leading for a Bible study, for a small group, when you think about being a part of, you know, whatever team it might be that is folding clothes to get them ready to be given out or is serving with the kids or putting together a youth program or on and on and on, you could go with all these different kinds of opportunities to serve, feeding meals and, and et cetera, et cetera. Are we just going through the motions and even in these things for God, so busy, filled with so much noise, or are we even walking and leading in these areas for God at a pace that allows for us to hear His 
voice. Otherwise, how can we possibly expect on our own individual lives or collectively within our ministries and our groups or as a whole church, how can we possibly expect to grow in loving God and loving others and praying and serving and becoming like Jesus and multiplying to help others come to know Jesus? How can we possibly think that we will be growing in these areas if we cannot even hear the voice of God because there's just so much noise. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay? So how do I actually do this? How do I actually do this? And, and my, my assumption to a certain significant degree is that the fact that you're at home watching and joining us for this service is that you actually want to. I mean, if you didn't really want to hear the voice of God, you probably wouldn't even be tuning into this at all right now. And so at some level, you're at home and you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to, but how do I do that? And wrestling through, how do we let the noise just be silenced and start to hear the voice of God? Which leads us to our second reflection question to ask ourselves. Here's this. Am I, ask yourself, am I seeking God's grace to live at his pace? Am I seeking God's grace to live at his pace? Over the years, within church history, there have been a variety of ways and, and even real extremes that have started to take root in trying to think through this question that we're talking about here today, walking at the pace of God. You know, some over the years, you can name lots of different names who have done this, and some of them would be quite famous ones that you would recognize their names over the years in church history, have sensed that the, the way that I walk at the pace of God is just to go, 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 and I need to do as much ministry as I possibly can, as quick and as frequent as I possibly can. And, and you hear stories about guys who, who spend 13 hours a day in their studies studying the scriptures to prepare sermons. Or you'll hear others where, where they rode on horseback from, from town to town and they would preach 15 to 20 sermons a day. And there's, there's some from the, you know, the 17th, 18th centuries who are renowned who have preached upwards of 10 to 15,000 sermons or, or wrote 15 to 20,000 hymns over their days that are, some of them are still being sung today. And you hear these different stories. About, about all these fervent hearts for the Lord and, and what you so often, in almost every one of these cases, I mean, there's some rare exceptions, but what doesn't come to the forefront, because it's just like not that glamorous to say, is how these individuals who, who studied for 13 hours a day or who, who went from village to village to village and preached 10 or 15 sermons a day, doing all these things to go, 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 go for God, how they ended up lying on their backs for months on end almost dead. Because, because they ran themselves so dry for how they lived to be you know, 25 or 30 years old because they, they utterly ran themselves into the ground for how their families ended up in ruins because they, they were just out serving everyone else and their marriage at home or their parents and parenting at home was just totally devoid 
But they think, man, like I'd rather, I'd rather burn out than rust out for the kingdom. And so they just go, go, go. Is that, is that the answer to how we walk at the pace of God? Just go to as many things as you possibly can. Do as much ministry as you possibly can. Be involved in every single activity that there possibly is available until you finally collapse. Is that the answer? Or, or then the other extreme. So that's one extreme of how some have kind of answered this. The other extreme, you know, you could go to a guy like St. Anthony. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He lived in the 200s and into 300s um, AD in Egypt. And, and he was the guy who actually was part of founding what became the monastic movement, monks and uh, monasteries. And, and he actually is renowned as having gone and, and catch this. He sold all of his possessions and, and moved out into this cave-like pit in the desert in Egypt and he lived in a cave and never left for 20 years and the only way he was fed was by a servant who he had come and dropped bread and water down into the cave every few days and he never left for 20 years. And this is how the, the modern monastic movement was begun as it exploded out from there as the renowned faith of Antony and the things that God was doing through Antony kind of started to spread. Or, or in the Middle Ages, here's another extreme for you. In the Middle Ages, there was this group of people called Anchorites. Anchorites. And, and these were considered the, the foundational prayer warriors of the church. And when someone finally arose to the level of an Anchorite, do you know what their calling in life was? Their calling in life was at the foundation of these old middle-aged cathedrals, in the foundation walls, in the corners, they would cut a little slit, you know, like a little slot like this, through the foundation wall from the, the sanctuary, and, and then so that food and, and eyesight could kind of be slid through, and then an anchorite would, would stand in that spot and they would literally build a stone room around them, this big, and they would fill them in and they would spend their entire life until they died not leaving this room. And they were called the anchorites because they were the anchors of the church, the prayer warriors of the church. Anybody want that calling in life? Is that what it means to try and walk at the pace of God? To cut yourself off from everything and live in a tiny little four foot by four foot room where all you get is bread and water put through the slot and you spend the rest of your days just praying and praying and praying and listening to God? Is that the answer? No, that's not the answer. And this is where I think the life of Jesus is so profoundly helpful for us, friends. See, what, what God's Word has told us and what we see play out in the life of Jesus is not these extremes of the go-go-go or the extreme of the, the total isolation off in a cave or in the foundation of a building. What we see is that, that God has given us an answer from His Word that there are these places of grace. Let's call them grace places where God loves to lavish his grace upon us. And, and what we need to do to walk at the pace of the Spirit is we need to know where and we need to position ourselves 
and frame our whole lives around positioning ourselves in these grace places. Think of it kind of like, think of it kind of like, um, have you ever seen those kids or maybe you've been there with your kids or your grandkids, the splash pads? And, and where they've got, you know, all kinds of like sprinklers and water fountains and the kids run through and all that kind of stuff. And then at many of them will have like this tower where up on top of the tower is this giant bucket. And it, it drips water into the bucket until finally, you know, it, it's finally so full that it like tips over and then it just like showers down water. You know what I mean? And if you stand there long enough, you're standing there and you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're waiting until finally the water just comes showering in a giant bucket down. See, these grace places are like that in terms of hearing the voice of God and then having power from the Holy Spirit to walk at the pace of God. What are these grace places? Let me give you a few examples. First, foremost, God's Word. God's Word, friends. Where and how do we receive the grace to hear God's voice? It's in this book. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. How do we receive the grace of faith? And that's, that's coming to know him faith, but then also ongoing faith. How do we receive the grace? It's through the word of God. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in your heart richly. John 15, 7, Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. If my words remain in you, there is incredible grace and power and help to live and to hear the voice of God and to follow when we come to the word of God. God wrote a book, friends, so that we can hear from him. God wrote us a book so we can hear from him. And this is not a magic book. So it's not like we can just come and like open up to like any random place and it's like, you know, read verse 26 of Daniel chapter 8 and wow, this is like this profound little new message to me that, that is just for my day. It's not this magic spell book. It's a book that God wrote and God loves when his people come to the word and say, God, I long to hear from you and I'm coming and opening your word. Would you please put this, be, would you let this be a place where the bucket of your grace comes down? This ought to be the posture for every single one of us when we come to the word of God, friends. We don't come demanding and shaking our fist or thinking this is some kind of special um, magic book that's just going to immediately pay us dividends just because we open it. But we come to the word of God saying, oh, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need to hear your voice. You wrote it here. Let me hear from you. Every single week when we unite together for corporate worship, this is a prayer that is on the heart of our elders. We meet before every single week's service and we come and we call out to God and we say, God, please, as your word goes out, when we are united here together to hear your word, let it go out and let your grace shower down upon our hearts. Let our hearts be changed. Give us, give us the ears to hear your voice, not just, you know, black and white coming off of a page. When, when we come to a service like this and from your home, if you come in person on a particular Sunday, are we coming and we're saying before God's word is opened up, oh God, I am so eager, I need to hear you. Are we stopping and pausing or is there so much noise of all the stuff that's going on around before church and after church and even in our living room right now 
or in our hearts or with our kids or all these different things that we just don't even have the chance to slow down to prepare our hearts and to humbly come to God and say, I need to hear from you. God has this grace place and it's his word that he wants us to hear from him. But are we living at a pace that, that leads us to one of these grace places like his word? Here's another grace place. God tells us that being in gospel community where we can share honestly with one another and pray for one another is where we receive grace and help. James 5.16. It says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That is why when we have our small groups that meet on a weekly basis, what we are striving to do is not simply a social gathering. This is not just like a hangout time for fun. And it's also not just like a, a dump a bunch of knowledge lecture, but it's actually a time of gospel community coming together to listen to one another and to pray for one another because when we unite and when we commit ourselves to coming to a place of rich gospel community, God loves to dump the bucket of grace on those places. And we come eager each week when we go to small group and say, I need to hear from you and I need your help and I need your power. And when we share and when we pray, this is where God moves and offers his showers of grace upon us. I'm going to give you another one. Another one was grace spots. Grace places fasting. Fasting, friends. Jesus assumes that his disciples are going to fast. This is kind of a rare one because we don't hear much of this, and I'm not sure if you've ever even practiced this before. But Jesus assumes part of your regular life as a follower of his is going to be setting aside a meal or a series of meals to focus on God. He says, Matthew 6, when you fast, don't make yourself look all like you're like begrudging and all this kind of stuff. Don't put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. Fasting at the heart is putting aside a meal or a series of meals to say, God, I need you. And, and God tells us that, that he delights to pour down buckets of his grace. And it brings us to the spot where we are, we are more likely to hear the voice of God as we position ourselves humbly saying, I need you. I love you, Jesus. I love you even more than this meal that I am missing. Oh, I need to hear from you. Or we can talk about spiritual gifts one of the things that's a big deal for us here at Bethel, in fact, I won't go into this too much because next week's sermon is going to be all about this. But we want to help you, if you call this church home, we want to help you to identify what is your spiritual gift. No matter what your age or stage of life is right now, if you are a shut-in at home or if you're up and active and you just happen to be on shift work and so you're watching from home this week, we want to help you identify what your spiritual gift is because when we serve on teams using our spiritual gifts, God pours down. It's another one of those grace places where he pours down his grace on us and through us. 
Or Jesus gave us the habit of communion, of the Lord's Supper as a place of grace. Jesus said in giving us communion that we meet with him and experience his grace in a special way. We remember him in the bread. We remember him in the cup. He says, this is my body, which is for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I mean, we could go on with a number of others, but these are some of these core things that God gives to us as grace places. And he says, come to these spots humbly, not demanding because it's grace. We do not earn it. We cannot demand it. But we come and God says, I love to lavish. I'm pouring the bucket and it's about to pour out. If you go and stand and position your heart, your soul in these spots, eager to hear, these are the grace places where I love. So friends, dear brothers, dear sisters, we need to ask ourselves, am I seeking out these places of grace to follow God at his pace. As we launch this new year, individually and all together, not wanting to run ahead in our own strength, not wanting to drag behind, holding back, but walking at the pace of the Spirit of God. We need to ask ourselves these two questions. We need to unite together, first of all, is the pace of my life allowing me to hear the voice of God? Or is there just so much noise that it's totally drowned him out? How do I hear the voice of God? Is the pace of my life framed around living from moment to moment and going to these grace places where God loves to shower his grace down upon us? Together, collectively, individually, the call is not to run at Mach 10 and go, 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 go. The call is not to go and hide in the, the hills or run to some cave. But the call is to walk and step with the Spirit, by the Spirit, as we go to these grace places together and receive from our wonderful, gracious God.